Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Welcome to Season 2 of the Old Ways Podcast. I do not recall distinctly when it began, but it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous physical danger. A danger widespread and all-embracing. Such a danger as may only be imagined in the most terrible phantasms of the night. H.P. Lovecraft and so we return with our investigating crew to my right this is Lonnie I'll be playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth uh, a man at a crossroads fair enough at the end of the table as a Jake I'm playing Jack Doyle um, my life's going pretty well right now That'll change. <laughs> to his right. This is James. I'm playing Dr. Sigmund Tottenbach, and uh, apparently he's turning into something of a community leader. Something of a politico, almost. Close, close. Almost. Perhaps, a, perhaps you'll lead the next great revolution. <laughs> and then last, but most certainly not least. Tiffany playing Maeve O'Shea. Um, she has decisions to make, I guess. We all do. I'm going to lift tonight's curtain, just as we did the finale for last season, on the home of one Jack Doyle. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. There is a sharp knock at your door. Come in. The door creaks a bit, and you see a youth of maybe 11, 12 years old. He's got a slouch hat on, brown jacket. Looks like he's wearing a couple pairs of pants, given that it's January. It's cold. He has a satchel with him. And he takes something out from his satchel and raises it in the air. It's a piece of paper. Telegram for you, sir. Ah, Brianna over here. Give him a quarter. Thanks. He heads out the door. Sorry, I never had a telegram before. That's okay. You have now. Thanks to the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Historical Society. <laughs> I have information concerning Carlisle Expedition. Need reliable investigative team. Meet January 15, New York. Jackson Elias. Well, that's interesting. Now the question is, what do you do? Well... I think I'm going to have to call 
by a reliable investigative team. I think that's reasonable. Who are you phoning first? I always go for the doctor first because it is his place that we meet at. I have to make sure it's available. He hasn't booked already. It's the only (laughs) office without the Murphy bed and the gin supply. I have a Murphy bed upstairs. (laughs) And wait, he's a doctor. He can prescribe alcohol. Ah, That's totally That is also why we go there. Yeah. That's totally fair. Yeah, because his gin is not from the bathtub. (laughs) Right. Well, okay, so bring the doctor. Okay. Dr. Talk to the box office. Dr. Talk to the box speaking. Hey, Doc, this is Doyle. Hey, Jack, what can I do for you? Well, I have a telegram from Jackson Elias. Really? A telegram for all of us? Yes, for all of us. He has information concerning the Carlisle expedition. He wants us to meet him in New York. In New York? In New York. I have never been to New York. It's nice. You'll like it. Ellis Island? Well, not I've ever heard of it. But I there's a lot I have to consider during practice and leave Lily in charge for a few days, I suppose. I, I, I think on it, of course. Okay. Um, do you want me to call anyone? <clears throat> yeah. Um, call Miss O'Shea and I'll call Forsyth. Fantastic. I will. Click. <laughs> you calling Miss O'Shea? I am. This is Maeve. Maeve, this is uh, Sigmund. Um, Jackson Elias has sent us a telegram. Uh-oh. I, it's almost exactly what I was thinking. But you have not, uh, I have not read it yet, nor do I know what this is about. Uh, he sent it to Mr. Doyle. Okay. It does say, however, that he wants us all to go to New York. Oh, okay. So yeah. are we all meeting at your place to talk about this? You know, that's uh, probably not a terrible idea. Why don't you come here and I will make sure that Mr. Doyle knows the same. Okay, because I'm assuming we're going to need to talk to him and get more information. Yeah, I think that is a great idea. Okay. Okay, we see you soon. All right. Bye. Bring Doyle back. Okay. Doyle. Jack. Uh, Me and Miss O'Shea were discussing it. Perhaps you should just come here to the office. Well, I kind of figured. I assume. (laughs) But to be fair, you call Mr. Forsyth and Stasi? Not yet. Very good. <clears throat> well, we'll see you when you get here. All right, I'll ring Forsyth. I will probably have just gotten back from the college. Yep. Hello? Hey, this is uh, Jack. Jack! We got a, I got a telegram from Jackson Elias. Really? Yeah, he, uh, he wants to meet with us. He has some information that apparently he'd be interested in. I thought we had pretty much given up on the Peru thing. Well, I, I don't know. But he does want to meet with us in New York. Hmm. So the the rest of us are kind of getting together at the doctor's office and we're going to talk it over. See who can go, who can't go. Yeah, yes, I'll, I'll be there. Um, it's always a fine occasion to, to see the doctor. Okay. Doctor's a fine individual, of course it is. <laughs> Brass knuckles, thirty-eight revolver. You, you begin. You put up. You put down the receiver and immediately begin going through your weapon stack. Want <laughs> <laughs> to see the doctor? I better arm up. <laughs> uh, 
Look, the last time I had any continued involvement with the doctor, I got shot many, many times. I think that's fair. I think it's a fair assessment of what's actually happened. Yep. Um, the four of you convene. Mr. Doyle, you have a difficult time raising Miss Fairchild. You leave a message at uh, Mary's house on the university complex, and she says as soon as Stasi's back, she'll let her know that you guys are getting together. Thank you very much. Yeah, not a problem, sir. The four of you meet um, no more than an hour later at the doctor's office. It's about 3 p.m. What day of the week is it? It's a Saturday. Okay. 3 p.m. on a Saturday, then I'm probably finishing up with my last few patients. Okay. Now, Mr. Johansson, I want you to take stay off of that foot, go home, rest. Gout is not something that just goes away. And perhaps eat some vegetables, something green. You finish with your last kind of uh, fatherly chat with your patients and then begin seeing your fellow investigators trickle in. I'll be with you as soon as I can, Mr. Doyle. Go ahead and have some coffee. No problem. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll shout the last of the patients. Um, I have Lily do the last bit of bookkeeping for the day, and mm-hmm. then I send her home as well. Okay. Yeah, she happily goes home. She has become quite, given that you have been uh, a little bit more busy as far as the university goes in the past year, and a little bit more maybe a community organizer, um, she has become very self-reliant. She has in some ways uh, taken on not your direct role, but a lot of the things that you know, things that you know patients need just on a regular basis. Um, she's, she's been for the maybe the past three or four months just simply covering for you. This person needs this prescription. Well, listen, you know, it's, this is simple. We'll just hand this out. I know what you get. And it's giving you some reassurance. Um, so while she's not a doctor... Uh, as of yet, my practice won't go belly up if she's there. Probably not watching the uh, watching the door. I wouldn't imagine. Great. Lily and the rest of the patients finally take off, and the four of you have quiet in the office again. Lock the door. <laughs> that is nice. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't. You know that? It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Jack will open it any time now. <sighs> <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Doyle, ah, I have the telegram right here. Concerning Carlisle Expedition, he provided an investigative team, meet January 15th, New York. Well, yeah, I was surprised. A reliable investigative team. For example, we are all still alive. <laughs> Carlisle Expedition, does that ring any bells? I suppose you could roll history. I can try that. May I also make a history roll? You may. You're both kind of talking about it and thinking about it. Nope. I've been spelling his name all wrong this whole time. (laughs) 26 under 35. Okay. So what you know, at least can kind of what you pick together, Mm. you remember hearing that the Carlisle expedition was... uh, Something was set off years ago that went to Egypt to look for something. It had to do with a man named Roger Carlyle who decided to go to Egypt 
with a group of people uh, to do some sort of maybe excavation. You don't remember much more about it than that, but the last name Carlisle rings a bell because you just remember the papers covering him because he was pretty wealthy. Okay. You remember that in uh, a few years ago, his name would occasionally hit the paper. He was what you would call, quote-unquote, a big deal. Okay. Wasn't Mr. Carlyle, wasn't that expedition into northern Africa? I, it doesn't ring a bell. Um, I remember reading something about that. Um, perhaps it was a magazine or something. I don't, I don't remember it in any of my National Geographics, so. <laughs> so we're going to potentially meet with Jackson Elias, who may potentially send us to Africa. Potentially. Awesome. So is that potential? That's a lot of potential. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit apprehensive given the last time we did anything with with Mr. Elias. Um, However, I do feel like I kind of owe him considering he was the ones who got us back and sane from Peru. That is true, yes. And I distinctly remember him sitting with me in the hospital. He didn't know us from anything when we first met him in Peru, and yet he still stayed. Yeah, this is true. It would be terrible for us to turn our back on him now. Right. Just because we don't remember. And and frankly, we have no idea. I mean, this could just be a expedition. And we don't even know if we're going to be going anywhere. We might just be... Looking at some things that they've recovered, right. maybe? And I'd, I'd like to point out, I've never been to Africa before. It sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean... How often do you get to go to Egypt or Africa or wherever? I've never been there before. It sounds amazing. Does my father have any notes? Did he ever go? Uh, He's probably been a couple of times, sure. Given his background, especially his uh, post-dentistry occult bent. Right. uh, He dove headlong into all sorts of places where the the occult was big. And if there was one place that uh, even current uh, founts of occultic knowledge point to it's a place like Egypt because there is a they're steeped in in matters of the occult well I'm just also trying to find tenuous you know connections so sure. that I can follow him where he went to still looking for dear old dad always well I'm up for going to New York I mean I don't I mean it's just me I don't have I mean, anybody else we I have, have a week to. and a half before we have to be there so right time to tie up any loose ends. Right, so it's not like we have to leave tomorrow. Right. It will probably take a two-day train travel, give or take, from Chicago to get to New York. Yeah. Right. Maybe a little longer. I mean, I've done it. You have. If anybody knows the way, it would be Jack Doyle. Yeah. Should I bring a book? Yeah, I would. Well, probably several. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It's not like it's a short trip when I go to Arkham either, so. Yeah. Not two days. It's fantastic. The city of apples. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. Really, Mm -hmm. city of apples. Fantastic. (laughs) So I mean, if we're in, I mean, if we're all in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. (laughs) I have to just figure out which books I'm bringing. I'm apprehensive, but I can't let them go without without your art, your arsenal. 
Well, don't have an I don't know so much about that, but there have been some key points along the previous investigation where Mr. Forsythe's specific skills have become exceedingly useful. Well, yeah, I mean, none of us. Are. Pants no, make my arsenal look I'm, I'm going to tell you, if, if, if we it's end up going on a Sorry. expedition, <laughs> most absolutely bring your arsenal of weapons, because... Well, I mean, there may be an opportunity to do some true. hunting as well. Yeah, but I'm not going to disagree with your Mad Maxing it your way, our way through Africa. In fact, I would definitely think about myself picking up a rifle, because... I have one. <laughs> Well, I know you have. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about picking up a rifle if we end up going on an expedition. Uh-huh. There's no reason not to have, you know. Yeah, and no, I have, and I'm, I'm you know handy with one. I used it before. I'll be the mage. I'll stand in back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, geek the mage first. You know, um, <laughs> just as an aside, in case anyone's just picking this podcast up, being the mage that stands in back and just casts spells and call for food games. Generally doesn't work out real well. No, it never does. And in general, you guys I don't want you in back because you were insane and kill yeah. the rest of us. Well, that's true. It's because <laughs> the voices in her head tell her, told her to do so. That's why we always take out the mage first. Right, ours first. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Step one: take out our mage. <laughs> All right. So, the group has collectively decided to book passage mm-hmm. to New York. Mm-hmm. It goes. Without saying that January in Chicago is cold. Anybody who lives in the Midwest area knows this. For those of you, especially our listeners in other countries, uh, what you need to know is the upper Midwest in the United States uh, in January months, as it is now, as the snow literally falls during our recording, uh, it is cold. And that will hamper your travel a little bit into New York. But you do board a train a few days later bound for New York. Uh, I imagine that you're going to put Lily in charge, Doctor. Yep, I'll Lily in charge of the office. She tells you that uh, if if you would be so kind as to call back to let her know where you're staying in case there's an emergency. Of course. I'll uh, update her on uh, the current communication with Keep constant communication with the office. Now, you have a way to get back and and actually call Elias if you need to. I I think what the characters experience first on the train ride. The, those of you, Mister Shaman, Mister Go, you guys have been on long train rides recently. The two of you that have not have kind of a disembodied experience. The the rub of the rails back and forth. The movement of the cars. Um, it, it might be even a little unsettling to you, Mr. Forsyth, because the last long train ride you can remember. Yes, it didn't go well. It was a dream about Peru. Uh, that said, as the train slowly pulls in over the next day or so to New York, the city seems like it's under a fresh blanket of heavy snow. As you kind of wind your way out of the train station, the mass of people that are around you getting on and off the different cars, you feel like you're in a a bloodstream uh, of a massive body as people shift left and right, forward and back. The different uh, languages you pick up 
anything from Russian and Italian to Irish and German and languages you don't properly comprehend. And you become part of this network of people moving about this frozen, cold city. Even though it in its gothic nature is a, is a daunting and beautiful subject, it is cold and almost a bit unwelcoming. Cold in every way a city can be cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What beautiful look at. Sure. Indeed. The question is, since you arrive a few days before your required meeting, where are you planning on finding lodging? <clears throat> Find a... I'm going to look for a semi-decent hotel downtown. Same, same here. Okay. So, the great thing about New York is that there are a lot of places to choose from. So, it could be anything from the New Grand Hotel on, on Broadway. It could be the Plaza. The Alcazar Hotel is available to you as well. All different places in and around where you believe you're going to need to be. Okay. Uh, I would say that I'm going to check out the Plaza first. So, the Plaza Hotel on Grand Army Plaza in Manhattan, realistically is the place to stay. And when I say the, I mean the. Uh, it has every amenity you can imagine a hotel has. It also includes every amenity at that price. And so, if you're going to stay at the plaza, then obviously you're going to pay for it. There are other options as well. Uh, so another option you guys come across is uh, uh, the Hotel Girard. It's on West 44th Street, not far from Times Square. It's a decent place. The Times Square Hotel, actually, that's not too far from here, is a place that will cater to a lot of different uh, vocations of people. The big drawback you find when you get to the, the Plaza Hotel itself is they'd like to know who Miss O'Shea's husband is because they won't rent her a room by herself because it would be unseemly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's try that, uh, what was it, the Girard? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would prefer to be somewhere low-key anyways. Yeah, the Hotel Girard's, uh, I mean, in comparison to the Plaza's, a little bit more low-key. Keep in mind, though, it, you could be calling a taxi between these places, or you could be walking. Uh, New York is a big place. It's and, January. And it's January. And so if you are taxiing between the, the places... You are getting kind of a different perspective of the city. Now you're having to use a car to get from one borough to another, different places. All these places have different feels, different paces. Uh, it's a different animal. Chicago is big, there's no doubt of that. Uh, New York is something else. We'll say that the characters get settled at the Hotel Girard, near Times Square. You said the plaza is the newest one, right? Yeah, the plaza is mostly for wealthy folks. Yeah. Uh, if not, there uh, there are there is of course on Fifth Avenue the Waldorf Astoria, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a place. Oh, I'd I'd want to stick close to them, so I don't have any particular objections. Although I would probably eye the plaza, especially the architecture. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, when 
the doctor spends a couple of minutes in there when he kind of explains the situation that the four of you are looking for. He gets the pretty quick social, you know, glare about a single woman renting a room that doesn't seem seemly. And, uh, and as you pull away from the plaza, for all of its decor and all of its grandeur, uh, it seems the people inside just have a way about doing things. Yeah, it's a pretty hostile environment. But the Hotel Gerard is nothing to be sorry for. No. Uh, it's a nice place, for absolutely. And the dining area down there is spacious. Uh, the room cost is relatively reasonable. And by the time you're there, you have a few days to maybe do a little investigation work on your own. Well, I, I would uh, like to spend at least part of it sightseeing, but um, I would also like to spend part of it finding out what the Carlisle expedition was. I was just going to say, how close is the <laughs> library? Well, you, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, for investigators, you're spoiled for choice when it comes to New York. Associated Press is that is headquartered in New York. Of course, you've got the Wall Street Journal. The New York Post, you have Amsterdam News, you have the New York Public Library, you have a ton of potential sources that you can pull from. And the best part is, is by the time you guys get there, it's next, what, Wednesday, Thursday? So you have places that are open that you can go to. Uh, just keep in mind that we're still under that, you know, pretty heavy weather right. that we're going to deal with. As long as transport's available, though, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. No, it's definitely available. It's just maybe a bit slow. So I guess the question would be then, where would you go to research? I'm going to the New York Public Library. I'm yeah. going between the lions. You're going between the lions, huh? Yeah. Me too. That's fair. That's going fair. Rolling up between the lions. Library. Okay. So why don't you go in there and give me uh, a bit of poking around rolling. So uh, if you're going to do a little library use, go right ahead. Okay. I was almost at half. Oh. I'm, I'm good. Okay, success. 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 Uh, no. No? no. And and definitely not. No. Anyone with ninety six or over? No. No. Okay. So there's no there's no fumbles we have to worry about. We don't fumble in the library and actually break something. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the scene in the mummy? <laughs> I do. Shelves I do remember. Oh, oh, oh. No. <laughs> Miss O'Shea, you find a newspaper clipping. Okay. And you find it because you spend a few hours in the public library researching Roger Carlyle. Carlyle Expedition leaves for England. Ooh. Ooh, he's the most eligible bachelor. April 5th, 1919. What's he do for a living? Uh, he's a, all it says is he's a dashing playboy. Family money. Idle rich. If the term is nouveau riche, is <laughs> the term say who is? Perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know if he's an eligible bachelor. He's probably not nouveau. He's probably uh, old line money. They're gonna go to Cairo. It's actually Cairo. This is Illinois, we pronounce it Cairo. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> they do. We do it, not pronounce it like that. Actually, they pronounce in, in, it Ghost in Cairo, Town. In Cairo, in Cairo they do. They do. Yeah. And it's, it's horrible. Like, it's like Kiev. We pronounce it, and people pronounce it. They call it, we call it, they call it Kiev. 
Oh, really? Yeah, people there call it Kiev. Good, good to know, I guess. K-Y-I-V, Kiev. So that's what you uncovered, Miss O'Shea. Perhaps you would uh, read a bit of it to the class. Oh, I don't read that, so well. Um, but you're a, a cultist. <laughs> you reading is like your thing. Would you like me to read it? Sure. You see her kind of fuddling over this. No, I read. Piece of newsprint. My character reads. I don't read. I'm nervous to read out loud. This is why you don't cast spells. <laughs> you want to do the whole thing? I think you should do at least a few paragraphs. Just kind of give the. Uh, audience a bit of a background of the Carlisle expedition. Roger Carlisle, perhaps Westchester's most eligible bachelor, embarked this morning for Southampton, leading an expedition bearing his own name. The dashing playboy leaves behind New York's night spots for a crossing on the British steamship Imperial Standard. Upon arrival in England, Carlisle and other members of his expedition team will head to London for a period of intensive study at London's celebrated Penhue Foundation. The Carlisle expedition will then embark for Cairo. Cairo, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just, got you saying yeah, it. <laughs> in one pen. Readers may recall the smashing gala thrown by Mr. Carlisle at the Waldorf Astoria upon reaching his majority. Carlisle, now 24, has carved out a niche in, on the social scene, a niche tainted with an air of scandal and reports of indelicate behavior. Still, his dashing good looks, aided by his family's considerable wealth, have kept him atop Manhattan's most wanted list for years now. Never having displayed a penchant for scholarship or antiquity, the motivation behind the formation of the Carlisle expedition remains a mystery. Far from being the vanity project of a wealthy dilettante, the Carlisle's expedition enjoys having renowned Egyptologist Sir Aubrey Penhue as an assistant leader. Sir Aubrey is charged with bringing the team up to speed regarding unique aspects of their intended dig, and then once there, Sir Aubrey will be in charge of the field ex excavation. Also on the team is the city's most sought after Freudian, Dr. Robert Huston. The doctor hopes that the expedition might find ancient pictographic evidence to substantiate some of his theories regarding psychology. Miss Hypatia Masters, a friend of Mr. Carlyle's, will serve as the team's photographer and archivist. Mr. Jack Brady, formerly of the United States Marine Corps, accompanies this group as a security consultant and general factotum. Mr. Carlyle confirmed that his expedition may bring in additional members predicated on their availability and expertise as his team makes its way from London to Cairo. There's no doubt that the Carlisle's leadership, the expedition, will cut a dashing figure as they cross the sands of the wind-brown Sahara to, in search of knowledge. So so there's some definite nuggets in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big expedition. Yeah. And the date on that paper is 1919. 19. 19? Mm -hmm. It was April 5th, 1919. So they left quite a few years ago. They did, indeed. Did we find anything about, like, if they came back, if they're still there? You have not located it yet. Okay. Don't you love the newsprint? Yeah. Such a great crop. Um, can I look up the, the car, try to find the Carlisle family? Um, yeah, you should be able to do a little research. It probably would be another library use role. Aha, I made it, barely, but I made it. Okay. Uh, this takes a probably a good another hour or so digging into bits and pieces of the Carlisle family. You do find record of uh, an Erica Carlisle. So Erica is 
seems to be maybe around the age of Roger, give or take. Maybe he's older. You think he's older? Uh, you're not real sure, but you do get a record of her. And it seems to be relatively recent. It looks like she's part of the she's part of the family. So she'd be about mid twenties now. Maybe. Maybe late twenties. Maybe late twenties. But there's definitely uh, an Erica Carlisle. Um, I will see if I can find a way to contact her. Okay. Well, finding a way to contact her might be a little difficult at the library. Right. But you do kind of put it in your cap to think about. I would think that if we need to find out what happened to the Carlisle expedition, we could go to somebody from the Carlisle family. They would most likely know. Yeah. Who's the Pendue Foundation? Go ahead and roll. I left the ship. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Double zero! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to be very helpful. Um, you are researching the Pendue Foundation, and... It, every bit of information you seem to look at for such a foundation, such a word, uh, just seems to escape you. You chase your tail in the library for a good hour. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just botting out. But uh, and yeah, don't don't find much of it. Your first day or so spent uh, actually researching in New York is about. Say the tenth of January. Between the travel and the lodging and the first day. So tomorrow when you wake up, it's gonna be the eleventh. My question to you four is how much more research are you going to do before the fifteenth? I'm gonna do as much as I can. I wanna know, did they come back? Are they still there? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's sightseeing. It kind of goes by the wayside because I realized that I haven't been doing much scholarship at all. So here's what I'd like. I'd like one research role from each person for the balance of the days left. We're doing library use? Wow. Uh, it can be library use. Um, if you're going to go see someone in person, it could be charm. If you're trying to, say, coax someone out of information, if that you decide to take that path, though, be prepared to tell me who and what you're going to do. Uh, that's just straight library use. Forty-one out of fifty. Okay. I got thirty-one out of eighty for January eleventh. Okay, so that's two. Go ahead. I'm going to the newspaper's office. Okay. And doing the library use there. Fifty-seven under four. Fifty-seven over forty. So nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing. <laughs> I got. I rolled a seventy-five. That is pretty crazy. You find an article in the library, and. You find another snippet as well. Um, Mr. Forsyth, what did you find? I found a society column dated uh, Saturday, April 4th, 1919. Roger Carlyle, the playboy whom everybody knows or knows about, has made an ambitious plan to slip out of New York tomorrow to explore the ancient tombs of Egypt. Hmm. Word has it that he'll be setting sail with his own entourage on tow. 
I can hear the cries of Roger's countless heartbroken cuties when they learn he already has a female companion traveling with him. Who's the lucky girl? You can bet your mummy this reporter's on the case. No doubt the fantastically eligible bachelor will dig up someone or something equally fabulous from the Egyptian sands. (laughs) That appears to be it. That's it, yeah. Pretty pass that around. Yes, Mm -hmm. Mr. Shea, did you find something? It's titled Important Visitors. It's from Mombasa, July 31st. It says, leading members of an American archaeological expedition arrived here on holiday from digs in Egypt's Nile Valley. Our undersecretary, Mr. Royce and Whittington, held a welcoming dinner for them at Collingswood House, where the wit of Sir Aubrey Penhugh, expedition co-leader, was much in evidence. Accompanying Sir Aubrey are the youthful financier, Roger Carlyle, and medical doctor, Robert Houston, as well as the socialite, Miss Hapatia Masters. The party leaves inland today for Nairobi and hunting. Hmm. Traveling with Carlisle? Uh, that could be. I mean, it would certainly check out. That gives us two other names to. Uh, although, well. although it makes me wonder because if she's a socialite, this is a society thing. You would think that the society reporter would know who that is. Yeah. Well, and they at least came well, Mombasa, but they're going back to Nairobi, so they were still there in July. April to July. Around about the 12th, so say the next day, you get a message, Mr. Doyle, at the hotel. You come back in. A lot of you come back in together from the blustery snow. Mm -hmm. And the front desk says that you have a message. And in it, it's a small card, and it says, meet me at the Chelsea Hotel, room 410 at 8 p.m. Jackson Elias. Okay. The 12th? The 15th. The 15th. Okay. But it came on the 12th. Okay. Comes on the 12th. Are you doing anything more up until the night of? As I said before, I think I want to look at uh, purchasing a rifle. Okay. I figure New York's as good a place as any. (laughs) I guess my question is, is are you um, attempting to purchase the rifle legally? Yeah. Or, okay. I mean, it, it's 1925. It's not like, you know, yeah. I have to get up. No, I guess the uh, rifles, hunting rifles, shouldn't be too difficult to get a hold of. There right. would probably could order one from a mail order catalog, or you could go to some sort of auxiliary. Yeah. So, what we'll say is you secure yourself a rifle. We'll do the paperwork later. Yeah, we'll do all that later. I'm not worried about it. Uh, a reasonable rifle. You're not getting a yeah, no, a, a Browning VAR no. or something like that. Or... Glitter boy boom can. No, like a boom cans in this <laughs> game. Get like an Enfield or something. Well, like that. just I mean, a, a reasonable hunting rifle is perfectly fine with me. For, I mean, I guess if you're planning on buying anything else, like a no. Thompson or something like that, just let me know. No, and, no. Uh, I mean, that's a little. I, I get the kind of stuff you would get if you were going on an expedition, right? Yeah, on safari or whatever. You get a hunting rifle. You might go upstate and hunt bears. You never know. You never know. Uh, you do get a little information back after a couple of days about Erica Carlisle. You find out that she lives uh, just up north of the uh, of the city, so she is in New York. 
and she is something of a social uh, kind of source of uh, of social power herself here in the uh, New York City area. She goes to galas, attends balls, uh, and that sort of thing. You don't, you don't understand much more about her role yet, but uh, you know that she lives in the area and that she seems to be financially well off. I'll see if I can uh, leave a message or get a, you know. The night of January 15th is colder than most. The drive to the Hotel Chelsea is quiet, but the cab's doors don't really hold back the wind. And you do your best to huddle up there in, in the back seat and try to keep yourself warm as it puts along towards its destination. Hotel itself is located in the Manhattan neighborhood of Chelsea. Uh, it's on West 23rd Street uh, between 7th and 8th Avenue. It's a 12-story red brick, which of course is now basically covered in windblown snow. Uh, you can see that the curves and the sidewalks uh, have been inundated with snow. I mean, it's it's piled several feet high at this point. This is one of those almost near kind of natural disaster types of snowstorms that's hit New York. And they've even had to draft people into helping them shovel. Regular old citizens are getting shovels put in their hands to clear sidewalks and doorways uh, as the winds of winter kind of crush down on the five boroughs. Just like home. Don't draft me. I don't pay taxes here. Don't be silly, Mr. Doyle. You don't pay taxes anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's an all-cash business. (laughs) Let me ask you, when would you arrive at the hotel? When did he want to meet us? The meeting is at 8. So at least 7.45. Probably a little earlier than that even. Okay. Make sure we get there. You aim for 7.45 or a little bit earlier with the hotel, taxi uh, service and whatnot, or the the taxis outside the hotel for that matter, and... It gets you there with maybe about 10 minutes to spare. Okay. Uh, room 410? Mm-hmm. I think you said. Yeah, take the elevator up. You walk down the hall and go to the elevator mm-hmm. and select the fourth floor. Now, this isn't... The Hotel Chelsea is not a super, super fancy hotel. It's yeah, actually, it doesn't have an attendant oh, at the elevator. No, no, it's very... It's, Chelsea's... <laughs> <laughs> no offense to anyone staying at the actual Hotel Chelsea, but if it's anything like I know what to be, it's a shithole. <laughs> I don't know about shithole, but... Uh, and if you own the Hotel Chelsea... Sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> it's still a shithole. It's, it's very popular with artists, um, writers, yeah, and musicians. Exactly. It's a shithole. Uh, it does have a bit of a bohemian reputation. Okay? It's cheap. So, it's cheaper than the plaza in the Waldorf Astoria, Mr. Moneybags. I mean, why don't you twirl your mustache a little bit while you rent, rent you your room? You need a monocle? You might. Um, I'm sorry, I was a little busy charging $200 every time I pass go. Yeah, precisely. The elevator opens on the fourth floor. You kind of pull back the accordion metal from the doorway. And then make the slow walk down to room 410. Does anyone smell that? What is that smell? 
Don't ask. I do not stay here. I hear jazz music, so I assume. Uh, there's no answer at the door when you knock. Kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been with us? This time he rolls a 99. <laughs> nope. That is a six. Oh, okay. <laughs> a six. Which, which is well under my extreme. This lock has been picked so many times. All I have to do is smack the door jam. <laughs> Breathe heavily into the lock. Right. <laughs> you take your tools inside the opening of that lock and make simple work of the Hotel Chelsea's rather unremarkable locking systems. Ooh, it's a while since I've had to do that. And it it feels to you like the door should just waltz right open. Gonna open it? Yes. Okay. You open it. Give me a spot hidden moment. Me too? Uh, anybody in front of the door. And and to be fair to doorways everywhere, there's only two. There's people. only really a couple of spots for people. Um, I'm towards the back, so probably not me. I would be towards. That's a hard. That's an ought to. Ooh, Ooh well, that's definitely extreme. Mr. Doyle, straight ahead, splayed out on the bed, is an African American gentleman in a once clean, and relatively reasonably fitted suit. His very intestines and lower gut have been splayed all over the bed. Blood soaks every bit of fabric nearby. And as his dead eyes look directly at yours from across the room, you come to realize that the man you are staring at is the man you spent time with in Peru. Mr. Forsyth, directly to the right and through the living space of this apartment, small, small apartment room, you see a foot dash out of the window space and you begin hearing metal shake. Doyle, window. And I immediately rush after him. Don't come in here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I like turn around. If he says that, then I block the doorway so she doesn't go in. <laughs> okay. Is he going up or down? Uh, I didn't... I heard quick, the sound. Quick reaction, gentlemen. What are you doing? You're, are you running the door I'm, or is he I'm, running the door? I'm, I'm running to the sound of metal. Okay, so you're running towards the doorway. What are you doing, Mr. Doyle? I'm going to run out and go to the, uh, the stairwell. Okay. Yeah, you get out of the way. Okay. Uh, you run to the window, yep. which is still wide open at this point. Yep. And you get to the window and you see down one half flight of a fire escape, there is a, a figure in the darkness of the New York night running headlong as fast as his limbs will carry him down the stairway. In his right hand, he carries a long, wicked blade. Attached to his head 
is a red ribbon of fabric that trails off behind him in the wind. I shoot him. <laughs> Sorry, I just found the guy who murdered the guy in this hotel room. Wait, you have a gun? Yes. <laughs> I have. Where You're you lucky did? I brought the small one. <laughs> okay, so you uh, pull your revolver or pistol, yep. I assume? Yep, 38. And then just give it a, a good tug. Uh, that's a 35 under 60. Okay. Go ahead and roll damage. Four. You fire through the slats in the metal fire escape and manage to luckily uh, miss the bars. Yeah. Uh, And you peg him Mm -hmm. on the top of the shoulder and he careens... A bit, but manages to stay on his feet. I immediately start running down the fire escape after him. Okay. You begin chasing him. Yep. The chase is on. What are the two of you doing? Staring at the floor. (laughs) Staring at the floor? (laughs) They told me not to go in, so I'm assuming it's something I I shouldn't see. I enter the room, and uh, I'm looking the body over, checking for checking temperature and such. I want to see how long, obviously not long that he's been dead, but see if I can get a better angle on how long. There's obviously not a lot I can do here. He's clearly very dead. You step in the room, Doctor, Mm -hmm. and you come face to face with the grisly figure, which by all accounts, appears to be Jackson Elias. This body is still hemorrhaging blood. Um, He's very much, at least from your initial glance, he does appear to have have expired, but the actual muscle convulsions are still happening. Give him my check just to just to be sure that he is in fact deceased. Before you do so, yeah, I'd like you to make me a listen roll. Okay. Yes, fifty-four under fifty-eight. You hear a floorboard creak behind you. Okay. I know she's out there, and they are walking. So I pull cane. I pull my cane. And the blade spin around to the person. Yeah. You spin around. Uh, I'm going to make a melee roll. Sure. And then if you would like to fight back, you're welcome to. I would love to. In an attempt to parry. Yes. Go right ahead. All right. Uh, 66 under 70. He gets past your guard. The weapon he's using is something you can barely keep your eye on at the moment. It's flashing very quickly. It does appear to be a blade with a bit of a hook to it, almost on the back. There's a short kind of almost hatcheted type front to it. Mm -hmm. And then on the back, there appears to be a thick, almost uh, pelican bill sized blade that kind of goes back. Imagine a bent hatchet. And then on the back side of the uh, hatchet 
itself, mm-hmm. you see a big pelican bill style blade. Okay. And he hits you with it past your guard. It's it's heavy enough to get past the sword king. Sure. And so you will immediately take three damage. You see a figure step out as he finishes his swing, as it bites into your shoulder. You see a crazed, pale-skinned man with a strange uh, fabric wrap on his head, which is a, a red fabric, which kind of rolls down the side of his shoulder and body. And he's almost slathering with saliva. He's, uh, it's almost as if he's, he has this, a rabid look to him. Okay. Uh, well, I definitely, since he's got his sword in my shoulder. Well, yeah, his, his, <laughs> his melee weapon, yes. Yeah, his, his whatever the, <laughs> this whatever is, the, this is impossible for you to not see, by the way, Miss O'Shea. Yeah. Can I grab that red fabric off of his head or on his head? You could attempt to. And I want to tangle him up in it. Okay. <laughs> okay. It seems pretty convenient that he's got a long rope attached to his head that I'm going to It does seem that way, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not even a little bit. Does the, does the man... 84 over 70. I have this back. These are garbage. <laughs> we'll get you new dice, too. Yeah, me. apparently my new dice suck. <laughs> you just got to get the bad rolls out of them. Right. Uh, does he what? He have, have his, his back. Uh, yeah, 100%. He is... Completely, almost fervently paying all of his attention to the doctor. Well, then I'm going to pull out my dagger and run at him. Okay. You're going to pull out your dagger and you're going to step into this whole mess? Well, I'm not going to let him fight it by himself. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just being clear to the audience about what's about to happen. Yes. Okay. So uh, I'm going to have you make a fighting roll for it. And then... I don't have very much. Come on. Can I draw his attention to speech? A... Not precisely. Uh, I was um, going to say, do you have a bonus because he's so focused? Um, he's coming from the back? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll give you an advantage die as he has little to no way to really tell that you're there. So re-roll uh, roll in a secondary tens die and we'll see which one's lower. That one for sure. Yes. Okay, right. so what's the roll? 16, so that's my hard. Okay. So just so we're clear, especially with bladed weapons and with with bullets, they have a chance to do what's called impale. So if we get any extreme successes, as long as you're not fighting back, uh, if you get extreme successes on your on your uh, weapons that can impale, it does a, a truckload more damage. Uh, but you definitely hit... Uh, you run in and you essentially plunge your blade into his kidney. It's the closest thing that's available to you. Right. I gotta find my card so I know how much damage I do. I would imagine the dagger's a D4. It's probably D4, yeah. I would imagine. If not, plus any damage bonus, we'll you just may say have, that it is. Probably don't. I don't know no. if Ms. O'Shea has a damage bonus. I don't think so. 
She has a 95 strength. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, my strength is 40. Probably not then. Um, we'll so that's three. Actually, I think it's constitution based. You can't walk through a door. That's 50. <laughs> okay. So uh, you stab him. Uh, he howls in pain. And at the end of his howl, as he kind of rises up in this howl of pain, you hear a definitive cackle. At the end of it. Uh, not good. Oh, plus two. Sorry. Plus so I two did from, five damage oh, to him. Plus two from what? I don't know. It just oh. says D4 well, okay. plus two. That's fair. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you stab him. And he's in pain. And he evidently likes it. Um, Mr. Doyle, you are hot-footing it down the stairway. Uh, we'll say that now since essentially two rounds have passed... You're about halfway down the Hotel Chelsea's less than reputable stairway. Uh, Mr. Forsyth, you are chasing this fabric-headed gentleman that you've already shot once down the stairway. Yep. Or down the uh, the fire escape. So what I'd like you to do is make a climb roll. Ooh, this ought to go well. Oh, and could you tell me what your size is? Uh, my size mm-hmm. is uh, 65. Okay. My climb roll, however, was slightly better. A two. Oh, very good. Uh, so you you notice as you get down and you get, you get climbing on this that there isn't just one man on this escape with you. There are two. There's one just jumping now onto the, you know, piles of snow. That have made up near this, you know, kind of uh, sidewalk area beside the Hotel Chelsea. And the first man that's made it down is beginning to uh, make a pretty hasty exit up the street. Uh, The second man, the man you shot, uh, you're beginning to gain on. Uh, And at the end of your round, what I'll have you do is either make... uh, a successful jump roll if you want to jump off and into the snow or what I'll have you do is make another climb roll to properly get off one probably won't deal any damage the other one might you might be a fire hydrant or something covered by the snow and I'll do a climb roll okay we'll see where you end up uh, that is a 12 so that's a hard okay the gentleman you're chasing, the one you've shot, at the end of your round, he gets to the first, basically the the final ladder before he climbs down and gets towards the snow. As he gets down there, you are within reach of him, physical reach. So the question to you then is, are you going to try to grab him or are you going to try to end him? So he's on the ladder. Yeah, basically he has climbed onto that single ladder that goes down to the, the street level. Uh-huh. The one he'll have to basically get down to uh, nearly to the street level and then jump off of, maybe four or five feet. Um, but he's at the top of it, and you have come, you're within maybe a meter or two of him as you've cleared the last. You're basically on that landing, and you're making that right turn towards the, towards the, uh, the ladder. 
Would I have the ability to uh, run to him and kick him off the ladder? Uh, I wouldn't let you both make the climb roll and then make a attack, a, a flying attack. Uh, mostly because you're trying to keep, uh, you're trying to at the same time keep your balance on an icy fire escape, which all told, it has been shaking the entire time you've been running down it. Then yes, I will end him. <laughs> okay, so you're going to shoot him. Very good. Uh, wow, eight. That is a hard. <laughs> okay. Or an extreme, actually. Okay, yeah. so that's an impale. <laughs> so that so, is an impale. So it's an impale. So what you're going to do is do max damage with the with the pistol, and then you're going to add in whatever damage damage you roll on top of it. So you're going to do ten plus. So a total of eighteen. Okay. So you square up. In a shooter stance, as soon as you get to the bottom of the stairwell, or the bottom of this fire escape level, and you level your pistol, and as this, what you can only assume is a murderer, yep. uh, begins to prepare to slide down the stairs, he gives you a moment, just a moment, just a hair's breadth of a look to see where you are. And it's at that point that you pierce his skull with a round through and through and he falls into the wet white snow below now you said there was another guy too there is he has uh, made his way into the intersection and he is currently running down the street damn I'm not going to be able to catch him Mr. Doyle you hit the a rear door. And I assume you fire right out the door. Yeah. Uh, you fire right out the door in time to hear a gunshot. As soon as you hit the door and you hit the street, which is, of course, you know, full of snow, mm-hmm. you hear a gunshot immediately. And it's right next to you. And a moment later, a body drops out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not... Uh... It's not Mr. Forsyth. Well, that's good. Uh, you see, oh, wow. You've seen some pretty heavy stuff, but that's uh, that's as close to a kill shot as you've seen. Jack, there's one running down the intersection. Um, he points it out to you. It's a good half block away at this point. The figure is now jumping into a car. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, you didn't think we wanted to talk, maybe questions on them? <laughs> Are they yelling? Uh, <laughs> there's, you're a little busy. I was gonna, well, I'm, do I hear them? Is the, uh, no, the gunshot. you probably hear the gunshot, and you probably hear the blood in your ears. That's yep. probably what you hear. <laughs> so, back in the apartment. <laughs> meanwhile. Meanwhile, uh, this gentleman, this assassin, I guess, he begins to turn. And so what I need from the two of you is your decks and your decks. Not as rolled, but what are they? Oh, 55. 65. All right. Uh, He will go first. Uh, He turns after getting stabbed in the back. (laughs) And you see that grin come across his face. When he turns, the first thing you see is his upturned lips and the blood in his mouth. 
and he swings wildly to chop at you. Now, you can dodge if you'd mm-hmm. like, or you can decide to fight back if you want to try to parry with your dagger. Up to you. I think I'm going to dodge. Okay. Four. Nice. My dodge is 33. Um, you have the best view of it, Doctor. When he turns and swings, Miss O'Shea is not even in his zip code. <laughs> she ducks completely, and that massive, you know, kind of hatchet, you know, with the with the half bill on the back whistles through the air. Uh, and you don't think he you don't think he would have hit, but if he had, she wouldn't have had a head left. Right. So, uh, that was his action mm-hmm. on 80. And so, your dex is 55 and yours is... 65. So, you'll go and then the doctor will go. Mm-hmm. So, you've ducked, Miss O'Shea. Then what are you going to do? I'm going to send my dagger straight up, like, into him. Like, either okay. under his chin. You know what I'm Stab saying? Stab up? Like, yeah. All right. He like, is going as to, I'm standing uh, up. He is going to attempt to dodge your... Uh, Weapon. Nope, I miss. Okay. Doctor. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a swing at him. Okay. Take a swing at him with the sword. Does he also have advantage. Sword uh, no, he does not. But okay. your uh, your target, unfortunately, mm. now that he has already used his dodge action, is at a disadvantage okay. because he can only. Dodge so many times. Really dodge so much. Yep. All right. Thirty-five under. Well, actually, that's my hard, not my extreme. So. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and roll damage. Um, thank goodness for the uh, disadvantage for him. Right. Right. Five. Um, you stab him again. Um, it isn't so much actually a slash, given your. Fighting, you actually take a bit of a step back and you lunge. And when you lunge, uh, you perforate something on his right side. So now he has wounds on both the left and the right. He uh, he's turning into a bit of a pincushion. Although his reaction is still as uh, loving of the abuse. I don't like that. I don't like that either. With the a pair of bloodshot eyes. He looks down at you uh, and he mutters something about the end. And he flips the hatchet around that big bill and tries to bring it down between your eyes. Nice. Don't let it. I'm going to try. It's a new round. Gonna try. Nope. That's all right, because evidently he's very terrible with this. Um, <clears throat> your action. Oh. Uh, you swing. Uh, he swings, and you basically jump back, and the big bill end of that hatcheting weapon connects with the floorboard here, and it almost looks like for a half second he has a hard time pulling it back out. Because so, it's so heavily so weighted. So then I can like bring the dagger down like into Wait, his shoulder. Sure, or... you can. Maybe. 
Uh, he is going to try to make sure he doesn't get to, you know, uh, attacked. Uh, it's okay. I, mean, I missed. Okay. Very good. Doctor? Uh, is there an open closet here? <laughs> you want to shove him in a closet? Probably. I want to see if I can shove him into a closet. Okay. So like, I'll just, just whole side arm football tackle him into the closet. I don't know that you can tackle him into a closet per se. The, you're in the foyer slash like kitchen area here. Okay. And so there really isn't anything. I mean, you could shoulder him into uh, the stove. You could shoulder him into the table that's got books and papers and everything else on it. You could you could shoulder him into an object, but not into shoulder, a closet. I want to shoulder him into the stove then. We'll see if we can knock that weapon out of his hand and knock him down. Okay, so that's fighting brawl for sure. Yep. Good lord. 82 over 70. Uh, you go to shoulder check him, and Olay, you move and then actually collide with the door to the, the room at 410. Doesn't actually do you any damage per se, but it does remind you that you're a doctor. Right. <laughs> so, uh, the beginning of a new round again. Uh, he removes his weapon and then decides just simply to go to the first target he sees, which is the doctor, who's in front of him now. And uh, he slashes down. So are you attempting to dodge? Uh, no, I will parry. Okay. I will parry with my own. So you're going to fighting brawl to fight back. Yes. 58 under 70. Yeah. You parry it right away. Um, you, now that you're used to a little bit of seeing how he swings and a little bit of the weight behind his weapon, you figure that if you can kind of keep your sword cane uh, at a specific angle as it comes down, you should be able to run it right off, right off and, the and off, the side. off away from you. Miss okay. um, O'Shea, your action. Um, the two of you who are outside the hotel, Chelsea, you can make me uh, a hard spot hidden roll. Is there a heavy object like like yeah. within my reach? A tea kettle, an iron, a clothes iron that would have been on the stove. Okay, I'm gonna grab the iron and just try and beat him upside the head. Okay, <laughs> bing. <laughs> That's fine. Wrinkles out of your skull. Go for it. <laughs> That's a six. Oh, okay. sorry. Wow. 60. Oh, okay. I assume your fighting brawl isn't 60? No. Okay. Uh, you swing the iron at him, and uh, you actually collide with the wall. Uh, it doesn't do any appreciable damage to the wall, but irons are way heavier than you yeah, thought oh, they yeah. were, uh, especially when you swing them. Yeah. You got that going momentum. Uh, Dr. Miss O'Shea has decided to swing an iron. Um, she's getting a little bit... Uh, she's getting a little feisty? Well, I mean, she's Irish, so it's sure, the, sure. the blood is up and, and everything's soon going to be set on fire, so... Um, you'd better end this real quick. I'm going to end this as quickly as possible, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for something vital. Uh, somewhere vital on him. Okay. Uh, being a doctor, I'm good working knowledge of most of the vital areas of the body. He's going to attempt to dodge your cane. Stick him in a part with blood in it. Uh, he does not. Uh, yes, I got 30 under 30, uh, 30 under the heart of my 35. So. Okay, very good roll damage, sir. Yes. Do either one of you have successes on your spot head? I have an extreme. I do not. Four, sir. Four damage, he drops like a rock. He drops. Um, you go for 
what you believe is going to be a debilitating shot, and he moves the wrong way, and you put your sword cane through his neck. Mr. Doyle, you read, as the car pulls away, you read NYL7 on the license plate number. NYL7. Wipe off the blade, put it back in the sword cane. <laughs> Just kind of stare at the body for a moment. Oops. But it's turned out as I had planned. So I uh, grabbed the iron. Yeah. Whoops. Well done, Miss O'Shea, by the way. <laughs> I didn't get cut this time. I would like to take the time that I wasn't uh, making my spot in because sure. I was busy trying to secure the weapon. Yep. Because I know I shot him. Yeah. Not 100% he's dead, so I'd like to make sure at least he doesn't have any toys to play right with. Well, I was going to say, you should now. get up there and help them with the uh, search or do whatever we can. Yes, exactly. The cops, will, those shots probably brought cops. We'll bring cops eventually. I'm going to search the body down here. Get up there and help them out. Before the searching begins, we're going to call tonight's session there. Oh, curse you. I know. <laughs> Curses! Curses! We, we will be back next week uh, with the investigation into room 410. Uh, thank you for listening for uh, the, the opening to uh, season two of the Old Wave Podcast. We, we do greatly appreciate your time and your ears. We will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.